This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again on these Tuesdays. The voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Alan Horton, uh, joins us. Alan, thanks for joining us uh, once again in what has been really an entertaining experience exciting Timberwolves season uh, to watch and follow. Uh, And they've had some adversity. I mean, it isn't like the Timberwolves have been sailing along scot-free, everybody healthy and playing. They've had plenty of guys missing and yet have continued to win up until the New Orleans game. But you can't win every game during the season. Yeah, they they have had to battle through. You know, I I looked this up because, you know, at the trade deadline last year, they acquired Mike Conley. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their their ideal preferred starting lineup is Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. And if you count the regular season games from last year, all the postseason games, and the start of this year, they've only had their preferred starting lineup for 18 of the 53 games. Wow. That's about like under 35% of the games they've had their preferred starting lineup. So we have not seen a prolonged stretch with those five together as being your key pieces. And when when you don't have one of those, at least one of those pieces, there are times where you're missing two, like with Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards out the other night. Yep. Um, you know that moves everybody else up in the order too. Now your key bench guys are becoming starters, and now some of your lesser role players are forced to come in and play 20 minutes a night off the bench, which maybe is not ideal. So it ha- it has an effect on the entire roster, and you know the Wolves have been able to put together this great stretch. And they have missed a ton of games from Jaden McDaniels, who who just came back last night. Ants missed three of the last four games, but really only played four minutes in the Memphis game. So he's really missed four games in a row. Yep. And even the final quarter and a half against Oklahoma City. So he's missed, you know, four plus games in a row. And that's your leading scorer who your team is, you know, along with Carl and, and Rudy kind of built around. And so there there has been some adversity that they've already faced this year. And, and, and it kind of came back to bite them last night because – you know, New Orleans it was the opposite. They had been injured throughout most of the season, survived that. They're one game over 500. Now they have all their guys healthy. We saw Zion for the first time, C.J. McCollum for the first time. Trey Murphy is a key piece coming off the bench. Herb Jones is finally healthy. Um, and, and they were the better team last night. And sometimes it's um, about when you catch a team and, and how well, um, you know, not only when you catch a team and who's playing for them, but also, um, like we just mentioned, how you do when you don't have your team at 100 percent, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great sign that the Wolves were able to go 17 and four over a stretch where they didn't have the, you know their their core group together for more than a handful of games. Yeah, defense continues to play well. Uh, you know, Zion beats a lot of teams. Even the best defenses in the NBA are going to struggle. It's an offensive game after all. But uh, boy, he he kind of bullied the Timberwolves. I haven't seen that before, in part because the, of the foul trouble in the middle for the Wolves. Yeah, and it's um, you mentioned a key piece there. One reason you're able to sustain, or good teams are able to sustain um, winning games uh, when you're shorthanded or missing a starter or two, is that if you do bring that defensive effort, that yep. can be a great equalizer. And the Wolves have done that with the number one ranked defense in the league. So that allows you to compete in games when maybe you're you're going to be a little shorthanded, um, especially at the offensive end. And it shows how many good defenders the Wolves have that they can lose their arguably their best defender in Jaden McDaniels and not skip a beat. Uh, but back to Zion, he's just, you know, he, he's only played two of the last 10 games against the Timberwolves, and it's probably a good thing for Minnesota because in those two games he's gone for 43 points, 
and 36 points. And in both games, he's kind of done the same thing where he just ramrods his way to the rim. I mean, he got he got 22 points at the rim. Hmm. That's in that restricted area right at the cup. Uh, that's way too many. You, the goal is, and it's easier said than done, is to keep him away from the rim. Just make him three, four, five feet away from the rim because his, his shooting percentage goes way down if you can just move him out there. But, you know, what happens is you, you pick up fouls early, like Cat and Rudy did, and all of a sudden you just you, you have to play a little more tentative, and, and that's not good against Zion because you have to be physical. Um, and things really got out of hand in the second half with the whistles and the amount of free throws that New Orleans took. Um, he, Zion, you know, it's funny, I mentioned this last night on the broadcast, is that, you know, when, when a rookie a number one pick comes in, it's they're, they're kind of the headliner for that for that whole season. It's, it's all about Zion. It was all mm-hmm. about Cat when he came in, yep. and to a certain extent as well. Uh, but this, you know, how quickly we move on from those guys, and, and Zion's kind of the forgotten one. I mean, he's in his fourth year. He can't stay healthy. Uh, for the most part, he's been pretty healthy this year. He's played 20 to 24 games, but it Everybody, the league has kind of moved on to Chet Holmgren and Wemby um, in San Antonio, and and you forget about some of these guys that that still have incredible, incredible talent. Um, Zion's pretty special; he's so efficient shooting, and um, like games like last night, I mean, he just looked unstoppable. I uh, saw Mike Inori's, uh, uh chalk chat. What does they call it? They have a thing on the Timberwolves television pregame. Yeah, like a chalk talk. Yeah, breaking down the keys to the game type of thing. Yeah, and he talked about uh, they need to keep Zion out of the restricted area. Let him shoot the ball basically anywhere else on the floor, but right at the rim. Easier said than done, obviously, as we saw last night. You know, and on the scouting report, they go through. You know, it's a page long, pages long document, and they go through. You know, your personnel that you're facing. So they always talk about KYP. Know your personnel. Know who you're guarding. Know those tendencies. And one of the big things with Zion is, look, he's he's so tremendous from from the mid range, not shooting it, but driving it. And you want to force him to his left hand because when you go his left, he's not as comfortable. He doesn't get to the rim as much. He'll settle for mid range jumpers. It does lead to kick out passes and, and corner threes. But when he goes right, how often do we see it last night? And on the scouting report, it says he goes right. He wants to then spin back to his left hand and go up with his left. And he must have done that a half a dozen times. And I kept mentioning that that's, you know, you got to know your personnel. But it also made me realize that, you know what, this team is really good defensively. They do know their personnel. They do know their scouting reports. And sometimes it's, it's not just as easy as, oh, don't let him go that way and do that thing that he's really good at doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you know it and you still can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened last night. He constantly drove to his right, spun back in the middle, and he either got the bucket or he got fouled, and sometimes he got to the three-point play. You know, his size is impressive, his leaping ability along with that size. But yeah. to me, the guy has just tremendous hands. I mean, he had a play where Mike Conley tried to throw it off his leg along the sideline, threw it down off his leg below his knees for a man of his size. Yeah. He quickly gathers it, does a little tricky dribble, goes straight to the hole with a nice little double clutch and made the basket look easy. He really has skills other than just his enormous size and athleticism. Yeah, you do that. If Mike Conley does that against uh, 10 other big men, mm-hmm. uh, nine of them, maybe all 10 other than Zion, it's that, that ricochet is off that player's leg out of bounds. Timberwolves maintain control mm-hmm. or get possession. Uh, but he does have great hands, and his footwork is, is – is, that's what makes him unique is that, you know, they list him at 285. I, you know, who knows where his weight really is, and that's mm-hmm. been a big issue for him. And it's obviously played a role in some of the injuries that he's had throughout his four-year career. Uh, but his footwork is so good, and he's. Chris Finch said last night on the tip-off show. He told me, you know, he's he's 
You've got to be aware of his second jump. So often, we didn't see it a lot last night. I don't, well, he only missed uh, two shots at the rim. So there wasn't a great opportunity for him to grab his own misses. But this is something he's better at than anybody else in the league missing a shot and then springboarding back up, and yeah. he gets his own rebound and puts it back up and in. And that's incredible for a guy who's 6'6 and as big and thick as he is at 285 or, or roughly there. He could be up to 300, who knows. But it's, it's, that's what makes him so special and why he was the number one pick because he's got this freak uh, athletic ability uh, in a frame that is just it, that you would think it would be slow and plotting, and that's not the case at all. Yeah, I didn't mean to make this the Zion podcast, but just watching him last night, the guy's so, no, it's fascinating. so impressive. He's one of the great, yeah. yeah, he's one of the more impressive guys in the league. And, I, yep. you know, it's it's fun talking about some of these great, whether it's Victor Wembenyama or Chet Holmgren or Zion or, uh, you know, LaMelo Ball or whoever some of these young players are. It's, they're all different in their own way, and that makes them unique, and it makes it makes the NBA what it is because every night there's basically one of those guys for every team, I mean, mm-hmm. we'll see it. We'll see it on on Thursday night when we face Luka Doncic. I think Kyrie Irving might be out with an injury, but you know, Luka's a freaking in, in his own nature and gets it done in a different way. Then mm-hmm. Saturday we'll see Indiana. That's Tyrese Halliburton, a young player who's just who has been electric so far this year and seems to be a player on the rise. So mm-hmm. every single night there's someone, maybe not um, with the headlines that Zion brings or Wemby brings, but that's what makes this league league so great. There's so many unique uh, unique players in it. They don't play another team with a losing record until January sometime. It's a yeah. pretty tough stretch coming up of games right here. But you have to do that uh, to, if if the Wolves want to establish themselves really as the number one, bring them on and uh, let's see how they do against them. It's a big stretch coming up. It's the next test. I mean, um, there's been a lot of smaller tests that you kind of break down the schedule and you say, you know, I, I felt like we just came off a four-game stretch against bad teams, right? Mm-hmm. Charlotte, Utah, San Antonio, Memphis. Um, and it, the goal was, hey, can you sweep these teams? Can you beat four teams that you're supposed to beat? Uh, the Wolves uh, had that issue last year that they couldn't, and had they been better against the worst teams, they would have been a top-four seed last mm-hmm. year. Uh, but they couldn't get that done last year. This year, sporadically, they've played bad teams and beat them, but I thought this in particular was a four-game stretch over two weeks. Can you get dialed in? Can you be focused, come out and execute, and win all four games? They, they passed that test with flying colors. Mm-hmm. Now the next test is the 16-game stretch. 11 of them are on the road, all 16 of them with a 500 or better record. Wow. Um, part of it is just freak luck because I don't know that before the season you would have guessed that Orlando would be one of the best teams in the East or Indiana would be up there in the top six in the East. Um, and a couple of teams are one game over 500, like New Orleans was. But when they're healthy, they're for real, and the Wolves found that out last night. So now the, now the test becomes – you know, how can you fare in this 16-game stretch? It's kind of a long stretch, too. It's five weeks. It's right through Christmas, right through New Year's, um, you know, all the way into that second week of January, but I think before you face the Portland Trailblazers for the first time. But it's going to be a – this is a monster stretch. Yeah. It's really unprecedented. I can't recall – Jim Peterson and I were talking about this on the plane, is that I, we couldn't recall a stretch this long where you're facing so many 500 teams. And, and again, part of it is a little bit of luck, but still it is what it is. You're facing quality opponents each and every night. Um, the Wolves need to be back to 100%. They've got to find a way to get Anthony Edwards back. Um, he's going to be listed as questionable for Thursday's game against Dallas. Um, Jaden McDaniel certainly had some rust after not playing for three weeks. It was good mm-hmm. to see Jordan McLaughlin back, providing a little bit of spark at the uh, at the end of the third quarter. Um, and so you need all those. You need to be at 100%. You need to be at 100%, and not only that, but just – 
in a rhythm, in a flow. And, and I feel like the Wolves' offense has not been in that flow for, for any prolonged stretch so far this season. Yeah, isn't that strange? Uh, I've gotten used to the Timberwolves being an offensive team and not so much on defense this year. It has flipped the script. They have guys that can score, though. They just go into little shooting slumps once in a while. Kind of like last night, Towns just kind of disappeared the second half, some foul trouble uh, as part of that. But they really defended him. He was definitely the focal point of the defense against the Pels last night. No doubt. I mean, they were doubling him as soon as he touched the ball. I mean, the Pelicans realized that um, he's the main offensive weapon out there, and um, you know, and, and, and Cat has shown moments of brilliance when he's been doubled and is able to find the open man and get the ball moving. But uh, just as many times, uh, that works out to the defense's favor because oftentimes it leads to a turnover. And that's something that Carl has continued to have. I mean, he averages three turnovers a game. He just finished an eight-game stretch where he had three or more turnovers in every single game. Um, some of those are offensive fouls. Some of those are bad passes. Some of those are legal screens, but they all add up to throwing away possessions, which you can't afford to do when you're not a top-ten offense. The Wolves have been, you know, middle-of-the-pack offense all season long. And like I said, just haven't been able to find a a rhythm. And even when Anthony Edwards has been out there, there's still a little bit too much, um, you know, one-on-one play and not a lot of ball movement. Sometimes the ball just sticks, and and Ant is lining up what he's about to do. But, you know, coaches always preach that .5 mentality. You get the ball. You either shoot it, you pass it, or you drive it. And you make that decision quickly under a second and keep it moving. You put pressure on the defense that way. Anytime you hold the ball, you're not making the defense work. You're actually letting the defense recover and get set and be as perfectly positioned as they can be. Um, whereas if you keep that ball moving, then the defense is always chasing. And eventually that the defense gets further and further and further behind and leads to eventually to an open shot. That's what coaches are constantly preaching and the Wolves, they, they have shown that at times in games, but maybe not for as long a stretch. As, like Their defense has been in such an elite level almost the entire season. It's uh, But the offense, I would say, is much more sort of following the stock market, kind of up and down, those type of things. Yeah. 20 boards in back-to-back games uh, for Rudy Gobert, and then he got kind of taken out of the game early against the Pelicans last night with foul trouble. Now, despite his enormous size and defensive aggressiveness, He's not a guy who gets in foul trouble that often. No, it's actually been surprising. It's, it's something that I've noted the last couple of weeks is that he's able to defend at such a high level. And I can, I can tell you, uh, I think it's been twice all season he's found himself in foul difficulty. Mm-hmm. I would say last night was one. Um, the first half against San Antonio last week um, was another. And I think that's it. It's really remarkable that a big man can. I mean, this speaks to Rudy's ability and something that, he doesn't, that doesn't show up in a box score. But your ability to defend at a high level, a defensive player of the year type level, and not be in foul difficulty, like contesting as many shots as he does inside, it's remarkable that he's able to do that without fouling and still have an impact, which means he's, he, he is affecting, he's doing his job. He's affecting shots. He's blocking shots. Um, he's making life difficult for offenses. It's really, um, it's really an underrated skill because you know, we've seen Carl have his best um, defensive sort of impact this year in his career. He's been really good, um, but he is prone to picking up fouls, and that's a big difference between, between you know, he fouled out for the fourth time in a game this season. That's four out of, you know, 21 games or 22 games. Um, it's much, much different when you compare those two and just how Rudy's been able to stay out of foul difficulty. Yeah. Dallas tomorrow night. Uh, interesting team to watch with uh, Luca and Kyrie, but you're saying Kyrie isn't going to play against the Wolves tomorrow. I, I wasn't sure they'd keep those guys together. I mean, 
When they made the trade for him last year, things went south in a hurry. They were even tanking and sitting guys at the end of the season uh, last year. So what's changed about Dallas? I think they're 14-8 and eight so far this year. Yeah, it's been really good. It's been impressive. I didn't think this team, um, you know, I guess this is another reason not to put any stock in what you see in the preseason, but the Wolves faced uh, Dallas in the preseason in Abu Dhabi, and that looked like a team that was disheveled and thrown together in a not great way and so Luka-centric, and you just wondered how this team was going to – I thought things would combust. I think I, I was thinking that Kyrie trade was a disaster. Yeah. I think it was a disaster at the end of the season, but yeah. – you know, once you made that deal, you were kind of forced into re-signing him, which they did. Um, you know, the talk of him en- ending up with the L.A. Lakers at some point pro- has probably died down a bit because the Lakers have been good, Dallas has been good. Um, you don't really need to pull off that trade. But, you know, with Kyrie, you never know. I mean, even with things going well, uh, something could be simmering under the surface and it's just a matter of time before that blows up because it's that's what he's proven um, has been the case over the last five years. It's blown up in Cleveland, it blew up in Boston, it blew up it blew up in uh, Brooklyn, um, and so it's it's interesting. But the Dallas Mavericks are they are Luka Doncic, and Luka Doncic is the Mavericks. And how he goes, so go so go the Mavs. So it's a different kind of challenge. You know, last night the Wolves faced three twenty-point scorers. You know, and Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum and, and Zion Williamson. Well, you're facing basically Luka Doncic, um, and the Wolves do have some length to guard him. They've got Nikhil Alexander Walker. They've got Jaden McDaniels back. Um, it's going to be a, a very Luka-centered defensive philosophy, I think, for the Wolves. and creates a really good matchup. You know, the Wolves have not lost two games in a row all season, and so uh, they desperately want to get back on track because you can't, you can't once, you know, the, 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 the NBA's schedule is such a grind that if you have a little bit of slippage here and then you let it sort of continue, the next thing you know, you could lose three, four, five in a row and have a tough time getting the thing back on track. So, They've got an off day today. They'll get a practice in tomorrow here in New Orleans and then fly to Dallas uh, Wednesday afternoon and take on Luca on, uh, on Thursday. All right, very good. We'll be tuned in. Alan, uh, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. You got it, Todd. Appreciate it. Alan Horton, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.